Uh, when Pastor Will touched base with me Monday morning and asked me if I could bring the challenge, I'd been studying through a passage of scripture, and I thought, well, that'll fit great. And then uh, yesterday, as I was thinking about it and praying about it, meditating on it, he told me that's not what he wanted me to do. So I'm thankful I heard him before I walked up here, uh, because it, it's really important that whatever we're doing, that we're doing it, we're doing what the Lord wants us to do, and we're doing it for his purpose. Now, I want to ask a question tonight, and, and Pastor Will asked me to bring a challenge, and I hope this is a challenge. Um, it was a challenge to me to, to look at it and, and to prepare it. Uh, I want to ask a question, how many people here, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many people have actually read our Declaration of Independence? How many people have actually read our Constitution? And how many people, because we need to know what those underlying documents say. And one of the things that I find interesting as I was preparing this message and I was looking around at the society we live in today, um, I was brought back to a, a passage, and I would love to read the whole thing, because I, I think it speaks, but that's not why we're here to study the Declaration of Independence. But in that passage, in, in the Declaration, it says, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable light, rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, one of the big problems with our society today is that we no longer hold those truths to be self-evident as a society. We have rejected them, and we've rejected the very basis upon which those truths are founded, that there is a creator, that we are... Now, I do believe that we've got to be careful as believers um, that we don't look to the rights that we have as a citizen of this country and somehow try and apply those to our citizenship in the kingdom of God. Because my Bible tells me that I should live my life as a doulos, a willing bondservant to my, to my Savior, and to serve him and to die to the things that he doesn't want in my life. But our nation's in a crisis, and it's a crisis of conscience, it's a crisis of of faith and truth, and that's ultimately what I want to talk to you about tonight is truth. God is our only source of truth, and, and I believe, and I believe this church stands, that this is our only source of truth, our only guidance to the way that we, um, that we practice the faith that we have, both individually and corporately. And it's real important that we know what this book talks about and that we study this book. And one of the things that, that um, really su has surprised me, uh, the older I've gotten and the more people I've met in the faith, is how many people have ever actually never read through the whole Bible and don't have a purposeful study of the Bible. And those that do might tend to do it on more of an academic level. Now, one of the things that I was excited about uh, when Jonathan turned 14 years old is that the timing worked out that he was able to participate in something with Stephanie and I, 
That's a course that's a three-year study through the Bible. It's a college-level course, a lot of um, reading, a lot of studying, purposeful attention to the Word of God. But one of the things I've tried to warn him is not to, not to let that take the place of his personal study, of his devotional time, not to just be coming to the Word of God to check a box that I've read it. We need to come to the Word of God with our hearts open. We need to ask God to show us what he wants us to see. And then we've got to take the time to listen to what he wants to say to us, whether it's in our reading time or in our prayer time. Too often early on in my walk with the Lord, my prayer time with him was my list of grievances, the things that weren't going the way I wanted them to. My expectations weren't being met. God, why do you have me under these circumstances? Why, why aren't things going well for me? And most of that was because I wasn't, uh, as the, the passage talks about, if children want it to go well with them, they're going to honor their father and mother. And God had to show me that I really wasn't honoring him. And as I learned to honor him, as I, not that it's been a better roses since, but as I learned to uh, listen to the word of God, hear what he wanted me to hear, live the way he wanted me to live, then it was easier for me to do the things that he asked me to do. It was easier for me to go through the trials. It was easier for me to appropriate the grace and the truth I needed in my life for my day-to-day walk. And as we look around the country today, we see that truth is under attack. It's been under attack for a while. It's interesting if, you'll, if you take the time to look back at some of the old Supreme Court rulings back in the 1800s that stood very firmly that this country was founded on the Word of God, that the New Testament should be the basis of the things that were taught in schools. They even had an, um, a joint resolution in the House of, uh, in Congress in 1983, where they talked about how important it was that the Bible was a part of the fabric of our society. But on the other side of the coin, they've done everything they can to push the Bible out of every public discourse. And they started in the schools in 1962. When I started in, in kindergarten, they were reading the Bible and praying out loud. And, and that came to an end in 1962 and 1963 and on and on. And we look at our society and where it's going. And we see just a, a real absence of truth. And we have to, we have to understand that as we look at these things going on, we have the answer, and that's the Word of God. We have the answer, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the challenge I have today is, number one, we all need to be continually examining our own hearts and checking ourselves, checking our hearts against the Word of God, making sure that we haven't allowed something to, to creep in, some mindset, some uh, idea, some desire that we have of our own heart, that, that we don't allow that to creep in and take the place of what God really wants us to know and how God really wants us to live. Because if the, when it boils down to it, if something's not true, what is it? It's a lie. And our society has really conditioned people to think that in a lot of circumstances that lying is better. You don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. It's a little, a little white lie, a little small lie. Um, and then they've, they've gotten to the point, well, everybody lies. 
And, there, to, and I have taken, uh, for job applications, I have taken these psychological profile tests, and they have failed me because they, they said that, well, nobody's that honest. Well, it's not me. It's, it's what the Lord's done in my heart, and I just answered the things the way the Lord led me to answer them. I answered them honestly. But most people won't answer them that way. Um, and what, what we really need to be as, as God's children is aware of what's going on around us and also what's going on in our hearts. And the Bible tells us that if we want to walk in victory, that we've got to hold every thought captive to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, that is easier read than lived. And, but it's a mindset. It's a purpose. Um, you know, if we stand for truth today, we, we, we have to understand that we're not going to be met with praise from the society we live in. Uh, the, the enemy that we face, uh, the devil, his name comes from being a backbiter, a slanderer, an accuser of the brethren. And he's been slandering God since Genesis and he's slandering God today. And he has many willing uh, cohorts in this effort. And uh, he slandered Christ when he tempted him in, in, the, in Matthew. He, he said, if thou be the Son of God, and questions God, questions the truth, and, and constantly brings an attack upon truth. And this, this situation is not going to change. Uh, if anything, the Bible says that it likely to get worse. We don't know how bad, but I think it's real important that we know what time we're, we're living in. Now, I'm going to read some passages, and I don't want you to take from these passages that I'm saying that we're at the end of days, because we don't know when Christ is coming. I don't think that the folks that were being fed to the lions could have thought it would get any worse. I don't think the ones that were being, were being crucified and lit a fire on the road to Rome could have thought it would get any worse. And the people that were being burned at the stake in the 1600s, 1500s, 1400s for living for God and for trying to preserve the word of God could have thought it would be getting any worse. But my, I had a great-grandmother that had an expression, and y'all may have heard this before, that, you know, I never thought I'd live to see the day. And I find myself, especially this past year, thinking that. I never thought I'd live to see these things coming to fruition that scripture talks about. And the first thing I like to look at, and once again, the whole point today is truth and how important truth is and that we've got to stand for truth. Uh, we're going to first look at 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. And the word of God says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away." And here we, we really have a picture of our society, of the, of the natural man that's around us today. Um, I'm not going to go through and, and define all these terms. They, they really speak for themselves. But these are folks that are at, 
are at their core without, they're without Christ. They're without the love of God. And just like I was without the love of God in my life until I was 27 years old, I needed Christ. Every problem that I had, every difficulty I had, every vice I had, everything that was um, creating a problem in my life had its source from within me, from my rejection of God, from my unwillingness to uh, listen to the truth that had been presented to me. And our purpose while we're here is to find these people and speak the truth and love to them. And I'm very thankful for the, the outreach this, this church has, the discipleship program that this church has, and the purposeful nature of getting the Word of God out. But I'd encourage you, look for it in every aspect of your life. Be asking God for it. Be expecting opportunities, whether you're at the grocery store, whether you, wherever you are in the way. Be looking for an opportunity that God has for you just to speak a kind word to somebody. So look at a name tag. You know, sadly, they've stopped using name tags in most places because I, I want to call people by their name. Let them know that I consider them more than part of the apparatus that's checking me out of the grocery store or the, or the restaurant. But most of the time, they'll have their name on the receipt. And if you just take the time to look at that name and to call that person by name, and to try and develop a, a rapport with them. You don't have to present the Romans road every time. You don't have to present an exhaustive discourse on, on Christ every time you talk to someone, but just start planting a seed and look for opportunities for that seed to come back uh, and, and be watered. Um, give a track. Give a track out where you can. I, I don't do it as often as I, I used to. It used to be every time I spent Caesar's coin, I'd give a track. Um, uh, the Lord led me to be more cognizant of what he wanted me to do. Um, I try and have him with me all the time and be receptive to when he wants to lead me to do that. But, but we need to be reaching out. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful to be part of a, per, of a church where the active membership doesn't just mean you come sit here on Sundays. I mean, I'm, that's really, if, if, you're, if, you, if you've not been in another church before, this is really a special place. And it's, uh, it's really a blessing for us to be here. Uh, but if we look on down in 2 Timothy 3 to verse 12, it says, um, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Verse 13, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And once again, here we see an assault on the truth. That evil men, not only will wax worse and worse, but they will continue to be deceiving. But the sad part of it is that they're also deceived. Um, and we have to appreciate that God has a plan for their lives, and we might be part of that plan. Um, one of the real issues that, that we have to die to in our lives is the fear of man. There's a passage in Proverbs 29, 25 that says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. If you know what a snare is, if you've ever used a snare, a snare is something that you put in the path of an animal, it'll catch the animal, and the more that the animal struggles, the tighter the snare gets. And what happens 
in our lives if we allow it is that this fear will snare us. This fear will keep our mouths closed. This fear will keep us from doing what God wants us to do, which is to speak the truth in love, which is to share the gospel with someone that might need it, which is to be the minister of reconciliation that he calls us to be. And the more I I struggled with that early in my walk, the more I fell victim to it because I was struggling in my own flesh. I was thinking that somehow I could do this of my own self, somehow I can, I can break out of this selfish mode that I have, but ultimately it was God that had to give me the, the victory over it. And he, he did it in a, in a way that, um, that, I'll know, that was difficult because he brought three people across my life over a period of about six months, and he, ha- he spoke to me to witness to him, and I made excuses. I put it off. One of them I would see on an elevator going up 29 floors about twice a week. And I'd argue with God, surely, God, I'm not the one you want me to, to talk to these people. And over the course of time, these three people that he had spoken to me specifically about, each of them died. And he used that to impress upon me how important it is that we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what our lives are going to entail. We don't know how short our lives are going to be. Um, but God, God has a plan, and when he speaks to us, we need to listen, and we need to follow what he tells us, and we need to be willing to obey and be willing. And one of the things about the, the model prayer that the Lord gives that he really impresses upon my heart when I read through it when the disciples ask him to teach, him, teach them to pray, is where it says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When God's will is made known in heaven, there's no second guessing. There's no argument. There's no rationalization. There's no justification in heaven. And it, it's done. And so we need to be receptive and willing to allow God to work in us and through us so that we might be used to reach this lost and dying world. Um, in, if you turn to Romans verse 1, excuse me, chapter 1, and once again, this is not meant to be a depressing message, um, but I, I do want us to see that this, these days, this, this mindset we live through, that we're living through, the things that we see around us, it's, it's, it's not surprising to the Lord. And, and there's a purpose, there's a reason for why things are happening. But when we come up to the when we come up against these fears that we might have, these, the timidity or whatever it is that might keep us from speaking to someone, uh, I'd encourage you, if you have that issue, this is a very good verse to know. It's uh, Romans 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. And if, you've, if you're saved here tonight, you know what the gospel did in your life. And there should be no one, according to Scripture, there should be no one on this earth that we're not willing to talk to. No one on this earth that we're not willing to go and speak to. And as a matter of fact, if you've got an enemy, the best thing that could happen in your life is if that person got saved. This is why we're to, to pray for those that despitefully use us. Pray for those that, that are our enemies. And do things, you know, give a gift in secret. Do things to try and 
um, show them the love of God. In, in verse 17 it says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. How did each person in this room get saved? I would say the, the majority of us, it was a one-on-one -on -one witness. Someone took the time, loved you enough, whether it was within your family, whether it was within a church setting, whether it was out on a, a door-to-door -door situation, whether it was at a job, whether it was in some other circumstance, someone took the time to lovingly share the truth of the gospel with you. And that's what we're to do. You know, it's as much as media can be used, the example that we have in Scripture is face-to-face, faith-to-faith. And some of the most intimate and uh, moving accounts of Christ's life or was when he was one-on-one -on -one with somebody, whether it was the woman at the well, whether it was Nicodemus, or even when he was in a crowd, when the woman touched the hem of his garment, he took the time and spoke to them, cared about them, loved them. And that's, that's what God has called us to do. Um, you know, in spite of our societal problems, God's still on the throne. God still has a purpose. God still has a plan. And as we get closer and closer to his coming, and we see things getting waxing worse and worse, the truth is going to shine brighter. People are going to be more desperate. The, their lives are going to become more complicated. And we have the answers. Like I said before, we have the truth of the gospel that we're to share with people. Um, I want to run through, just read through the, the last part of this chapter and just let it speak for itself. And as we go through this, just take a look at what God's saying in his word, what he inspired Paul to write 2,000 years ago, just a little under 2,000 years ago, and, and see how it's coming to fruition today. And it's, it's done this before in other ways in different societies. And if, you, if you're a student of history, you can look back and see that when societies become affluent, when people have too much time on their hands, this is where the idea of the idle hands or the devil's workshop, when people get too much time on their hands, this is when vain philosophies, this is when a lot of things start to rear their ugly heads in societies. When people are struggling to feed themselves, they have less time to fall into these traps. Uh, but these are all, um, this is a really powerful passage, and I just want to run through it for us tonight, starting in verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness, and see that that is a choice that they're making. They're holding the truth and unrighteousness, and this word really means they're withholding it, they're suppressing it, they're, they're trying to hold it back. And because, in verse 19, that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Uh, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God wants everybody to know who he is. He, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. And this passage tells me that 
God is trying to make himself known to everybody. And, if, and, and the fact that he's, sh- he's showing himself to them and, and the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Now we can see how easy it is to see how this fits into this idolatry, this idea of an idol made of hands. is kind of easy for us to see and we can look back through scripture and you had the fish god Dagon and all these other idols that people worshipped. But one of the things that God really had to work in my heart about was that there were times where I was trying to fashion God in in my mind. That here's here's how I think God ought to be. Here's here's, um, my expectation of how God should perform. And in a way, I was... I, I was creating an idol. I wasn't really knowing who God is. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six 6, um, that, and now it's going to jump out of my head, but, at, but if you're going to please God, you've got you've to know that he is. You've got to know who God is, and that you've got to diligently seek him. Um, so we've got to know who God is, the nature of God, and he wants us to know that. He's not hiding any of that from us. He, he makes it abundantly clear who he is through all the promises that he gives, the fulfillment of those promises, the love that he shows for us in our lives. And uh, in verse 24, it says, Wherefore God also gave them up, and this word gave them up, he pretty much pulled back the restraint. from, And that's something that's going to happen when he takes the Holy Spirit from the world in the rapture. He's going to pull all the restraint, but in this Context: He pulls back the restraint that was holding people back from performing these things. Um, he gave them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And here we see that they are taking and changing the truth of God into a lie and worshiping, worshiping and serving the creature. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving, that, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meet. And here we just, we just see the, the kind of the end result of, of God giving them over to these uh, to these desires, and and as we look around our society today, there, there, there are unimaginable things happening. At least they were unimaginable to me, and we see all of this rushing to the forefront, and all these things that were accept that were really unacceptable when I was young, being embraced and being told that uh, this is the way it is, and this is and this is somehow scientifically valid, uh, but God God says something different. Uh, And it says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, verse 28, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not 
convenient. And so God had given them up. He pulled back the restraints and then allowed them to fulfill these, these uh, lusts. And then he gave them up again. And here he's finally given them over to this mindset. And the reprobate mind is really what we see today, where wrong is right and right is wrong. And there's just a, a, such an assault on anything that, that is scriptural, anything that's true, and we all have to bow at the altar of secular humanism. And brothers and sisters, I don't know how long it's going to last. Um, you know, if anything, the last few years that we've had in this country were just kind of a pause, because this, mo- this was building momentum before the, uh, this, this recent uh, change in the way our country's being run. But now it's just it's being unleashed. And we've got to realize that change is coming. And as we saw uh, in the message on Sunday, even though there, that we're going to be facing potentially persecution, facing hard questions, facing rejection, that we're still to speak the truth. We're to stand up and speak for Christ. You know, when, when Pilate asked Christ in John 18, what is truth, it was God's will that he held his tongue. When we are faced with that opportunity to answer that question, it's not God's will that we hold our tongue. Now, that doesn't, I'm not saying that we're not to follow what the Word of God says um, when we go before a magistrate. We're not to have this prepared set of notes to, to read from, but we're to allow the Holy Spirit to come through us and give us the words that we need to speak and to work in the, in the particular situation. And whether we're, we're faced with somebody that's a, um, just a rabid anti-God person, and I have those in my family, we, we still need to ask the Holy Spirit for the words to speak. And it's, it's real important that when we go out and we're talking to folks in, in the way, in the, at the door, or in a, in a work environment, that we listen and allow, not only listen to what they're saying and the needs that they have, but listen to the Holy Spirit so that he can share with us what we need to say. Now, I think the Romans Road is really important. It's good to know, but that's not the answer for every need that we're going to be faced with. We've got to have, we've got to hide this word in our heart, not only that we don't sin against God, but that he can bring it back up and he can use it through us to accomplish his will in our lives. And if we will continue uh, with the, and, and if I was going to say, if I happen to be reading through this and I glance up at you during a particular phrase, it's, it's just a coincidence. Uh, <laughs> um, especially Jonathan. Uh, Printed 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Now these, you know, I don't know how many of y'all were saved later in life or, or and I'm very thankful for the pure testimony of those that are saved young. But for those of us that were saved later in life, 
I can remember being miserable like this. I can remember being just lost and hopeless. And the thing that we've got to appreciate is that when this is manifesting in people's lives, it's there's a desperation that, that they really need to have answered. And I would really encourage you to, to try and be ready and to be looking for an opportunity to speak what God would have you to speak. Um, in 2 Timothy 2, uh, verses 24 through 26, it says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, and patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. And I really want you to take a look at what it says in verse 25. It says, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. You know, when I was, when I was lost, I didn't realize I was opposing myself. I didn't realize I was rejecting everything I needed to know. I didn't realize that I was in enmity with God. I didn't realize that I was taken, as it says in verse 26, that I was in the snare of the devil, taken captive by him and his will. I was just living the best way I could. But if we come across people that are lost, we've got to realize that they are in a position where they, have, they are opposing the very thing when they have these kind of attitudes, when they have this this mindset, they're opposing the very thing that God has for them that will change their lives. And the last thing I want to look at briefly is in the book of Psalm chapter uh, 1. And I won't dwell too much time here either, but it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And here is kind of a slippery slope of that we've got to be careful to avoid because... We don't want to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We don't walk in, want to walk in the way of the world. We're, we're in this world, but not of it. We're not, we're not the children of this world. So we've got to be careful not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And, but if we begin to walk in the counsel of the ungodly, then, then before we know it, we'll find ourselves standing in the way of sinners. Because it's, it's a progression and if we stand in the way of sinners, then we'll find ourselves sitting in the seat of the scornful. And we've got to be real, you know, it's easy, it's easy to allow ourselves to get caught up in things that take us away from what God wants in our lives. But one of my favorite passages is this next in verse 2, and it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And my real challenge to you tonight is what is your delight? What is the desire of your heart? What, is, what have you fixed your, your appetite on? Um, what is it that motivates you? And this passage tells me that the blessed man's delight should be in the law of the Lord, in his truth. And that in that truth, we're to meditate day and night. And then there's the promise the conditional promise that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now that isn't prosperity gospel, that's just Bible. That if we purpose to delight in the things of God,
to live in the way that he wants us to live, to die to the things that he shows us as we're going through the sanctification process that each of us is going to go through. Because once we're born again, we're babes. We're babes that we have a a desire for the sincere milk of the word and that we're to take in that word and that by reason of use, we begin to cut our teeth and and we're able to chew on a little meat and then we're able to learn how to crawl and then we learn how to walk in, in, this, in this new life that we live in. And, and all along the way, God has is, is given us opportunities to agree with him, to come alongside and, and submit our will to his, to die to our own selves, to learn to accept his, his desires for our life. And if what happens, and I, I've met a lot of people, I worked with a lot of addicted people, um, in a, when I was in a different church. And one thing that, I've, that it was a common theme in their lives is that even though a lot of them were saved, genuinely saved, they had come to a point in their lives where God had asked them to do something and they had simply put their foot down and said no. And they found, all of a sudden, they, guess what they found in their life? God's, God's loving chastening began to come because they rejected the still small voice. And the chastening came. And instead of responding to that chastening and realizing, just like when we go through the process in Matthew 18, and even if it gets to the point of church discipline, all of that is to reconcile brothers together. It's not to separate people, it's to reconcile. And everything that God allows in our lives is to reconcile us back to himself. And as these folks would have put their foot down like a, like young kids will do sometimes with their parents and just say no, God began to just bring pressures and, and pressure. And instead of responding to the pressure biblically, they sought an escape. And that escape usually was, it ended up being drugs, at least the people that I met. And as I've talked to other people, I've, I've found them kind of stuck. They're stuck in a, in, a, in a place in their Christian walk. And why are they stuck? Because at some point along the way, they've said no to God. That God has presented a truth to them. God has shown them what he wants them to see. God has attempted to, to bring the fullness of what Christ offers, the, the fullness of joy, the abundance, the abundant life that he wants us to have, the grace and mercy, and they have just said no. And and I, I was guilty of this myself early on. But I'm just here to say, if you find yourself in a position where it seems like um, God may not be hearing you, it seems like that, that your relationship with the Lord has grown distant, because it's, it's one of the hard things that I, that I really see going on in... Um, and it's easy to fall into, is when we lose the joy of our salvation, we forget what God's done for us. It becomes something, it becomes a routine. And that's why it's so important if we get into the discipleship program, if we get into the, to the, into the things where we're interacting with one another, where we're, the Bible says that we're to knit our hearts together, and that this, this God has put this body together where every joint is supposed to supply that which he brought it here to supply, Get involved, do the things that you need to do, but more than anything, be in the Word, 
be seeking the truth that God has for you. Be willing to accept the truth that may be hard to realize that th there might be a problem in your heart. There might be an issue in your life. There might be somewhere along the line where you've said no to God. And if that isn't the case with you, then just rejoice in, in, the, in the goodness of God and, and in your willingness to obey. Uh, because it, when, it, when it all comes to the end, one day we are going to stand before God and he is going, if we're saved, he is not going to hold us accountable for our sin. But he is going to want to know what we did with our lives. He already knows what we've done with it. But that's what he's going to hold us accountable. What have you done with the life that I've given you? What have you done with the opportunities I gave to you to share the gospel? What have, what have you done with, with the word of God that I've put at your fingertips? Do, do we realize that how precious it is that we have this Bible at our fingertips? This, this, this is the, you know, it's only been the past couple hundred years where that's been the case, that people have had the word of God in their hands. And now that we have it, and, and, and we, a lot of us have multiple Bibles, We've got them on our, our devices. We have them. We have the Word of God everywhere. And he tells me, to, he tells us all, to whom much is given, much is required. And here we've been given the Word of God. We've been given all these precious promises. We've been given our opportunity and, uh, and the grace through the Lord Jesus Christ to be his ambassadors and to be a witness for him. And the only way that we're going to be able to be used of him is if we allow his truth to fill us and to wash out that which doesn't belong. And it, it, the idea is, if you've ever taken water and oil, that's, that's a good illustration if you want to see what it's like to try and keep your heart full of yourself and, and allow God to use you. If you, t if you take a, a container and you put oil and water in it, the oil and water will separate. And no matter how hard you try, when you try and pour it out, it'll mix. And, what, and so the illustration I'm trying to get to is that God wants me to empty myself so that he can fill me. And we've got to be careful that we don't invite the Lord into our lives, but we close off areas of our hearts to him. And we've just got to allow God to show us as, that if there's any way in our, in our hearts, anything, that's a hindrance to what he wants us to do. Uh, Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your scripture. We thank you for the love that you have for us. And Father, even though uh, we live in a world that seems to be getting darker and darker in terms of uh, its spiritual understanding, its desire for spiritual things, Father, may we be the salt and light that you would have us to be. May we look at this as an opportunity to accomplish much for your glory and, Father, may we take our eyes off what's around us and put our eyes on you, put our eyes on your truth, and put our hearts in, um, in, in a right relationship with you. And, Father, I thank you so much uh, for everything that you've done uh, at this church, the way that you've prospered it, the way that you keep bringing in folks, and the opportunity we have to help the, the other church start, and the, the ministries that are going on here, the training of the young men. And Father, we just look forward to seeing what you'll do and in the next uh, several days, weeks, and months, and years if you tarry. But Father, help us to line up with your will for our, for our lives so that we can uh, fulfill 
what you have us to do. We ask these things in Christ's precious and holy name.